Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crossroads. We are so glad to see you this morning. If you will stand as the band starts playing, and we will worship our awesome God. Thank you. 
happy to have you out worshiping with us today. If we'll take a moment, I see a lot of new faces. If we'll just shake hands and greet somebody that maybe you don't know.
you know, as the band starts this next song, sometimes we forget that God is number one and that he is the most important thing. And we get disappointed by things in life that don't go our way, whether it is a relationship or a job or a circumstance that we thought was going to go one way and it didn't. And it's hard to remember that his love is enough and that he alone is worthy. Let's lift our voices in praise this morning. No pen or quill, no scribe and perfect skill With flawless words could capture all who you are No lofty thought, no scholar of this world Could grasp an inch of such infinity Though we cannot comprehend such a mystery, just a glimpse of you revealed is compelling us to see.
from the crossroads. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? And we're thankful that you're here today. Would you please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle at this time? We'd greatly appreciate that. Um, Our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, we're thanking God that you're here today and uh, that you're a part of this, what God is doing in Crossroads. And uh, it's been a wonderful summer. We've been praying. We've just been asking God. Many people have been praying the summer with us. Over 100 people signed up to pray the summer. And we've just watched God bless incredibly all summer long. We've seen his hand at work through our vacation Bible school, through our, through our uh, missions trip to Ecuador, through our, our movies on the lawn and, and our services, our weekend services, our weekend gatherings. God has just been blessing. It's been a wonderful summer. And uh, as school starts, we're getting ready for a, a new vision for the fall here. So a number of things coming up in the fall here. We're, we're looking at, uh, we have the Membership 101 is coming up. September 11th. That's uh, just two Sundays away from today. So we'd like to uh, invite you, if uh, you'd like to make, make yourself connected here to Crossroads, please stop by our Welcome Center. We have a, a, uh, a sign-up for you there. Uh, we just ask that if you attend that so that we can plan for, your, plan for you. We have a brief lunch and, uh, and about an hour and a half meeting on Sunday, September the 11th. We explain the mission, the vision, the values of our church and how that you can be connected and how that you can grow in Christ here. So please uh, sign up to come to that. And then also we have Clubhouse Kids. We're, we'll be starting not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, September the 7th. And uh, we are just thanking God for all that he's doing here at the church. Clubhouse Kids, I know they had a great leadership meeting last week. Uh, if you're interested in helping with any of our children's ministries, please stop by and see Courtney Hodson downstairs at, uh, at our children's ministry uh, area. But uh, Clubhouse Kids will begin on Wednesday night, September the 7th at 6.30. Our men's group will be meeting again. Our women's group will be meeting. Connect Students has already started over there at the Straight Street building. So we're thanking God for, uh, for the new vision for the fall. You'll notice in, the, in your courier, in the bulletin there, if, uh, uh, on the upcoming events, it says life groups are coming this fall to Crossroads. I want to encourage you to, uh, to jump in on one of those. We're, we're going to have uh, sign-ups coming here in a few weeks to to be a part of a life group. And what is a life group? A life group is 5 to 12 adults that get together and uh, they meet at various locations. Some may meet here at the church. Some may meet at Starbucks. Some may meet in somebody's home. But uh, we're going we're to be encouraging people to get together. They may meet at all different times. Whatever is convenient for the group of people as they come together. Maybe you want to get together at 6 in the morning before you go to work. God bless you. I'll pray for you. Uh, but maybe you want to get together at 6 p.m. after you come home from work. I'll join you, all right? Um, but uh, wherever it is that uh, you want to get together, we're encouraging everybody to get together in a group of 5 to 12 adults. And uh, we're, we've got a, an exciting plan for the fall. You're going to hear more about this through the month of September. And by October, we want to launch these groups and just see what God will do. Because we know that God does great things in in the body of Christ, when we gather together, when we come together and we share, care, pray for one another, uphold one another. Um, and, and also, you, you'll see in the bulletin there, I said that we put in there that it's a way to connect with God, connect with each other, and connect to our community. We're, we want to go out and serve. We want to we transform a community for Christ. So life groups are going to be a big part of what we're doing there. I want you to pray about getting involved, and as we develop this plan and unroll this coming out, uh, this is going to grow. This is, this is going to be our, our launching this, this fall, and we're going to keep growing. We want our church to be a church of small groups. Everywhere we go, 
uh, filled with life groups, uh, people getting together. So be in prayer for that as we come up on there. Then you'll see there's also the backpack drive. I want to say thank you for all that have been bringing in backpacks. Uh, It's been wonderful just to watch people come in. I've heard some stories of kids that giving up their own allowance to make a bag for somebody else and how touching that is. So this week, those will be going out. Many of them will be going to the schools. If you bring in any more next week, we'll get them out just as quickly as they come in. And uh, we're going to be getting them out to our local schools and helping people in need. And that way, the community will know Crossroads Ministries is not just about Crossroads Ministries. It's about Jesus, and it's about them, about reaching out and caring for our people around. Amen? So uh, if you'd like to give to that, you can mark that in your offering and uh, give something towards that as well, and they will buy supplies as well. Any questions on that, there's an email address to contact Julie Hayden on there. And then you'll see our our invite to you in the middle of the bulletin there. The church-wide picnic is next Sunday, September the 4th. Next week is the official end to summer, okay? In western Pennsylvania, Labor Day is the official end of summer. So I know that's like putting a dagger in our back, you know, to say that summer would be over. But uh, that'll be our official end of summer. And I'm going to ask you to come to our picnic. We'll have our services as, as usual on Sunday. And then in the afternoon, there's a list of activities at Peterswood Park. We've reserved Peterswood Park of the pavilion over there for us. And uh, we're glad uh, to have a great day of fellowship. So I want to encourage you uh, to come and be a part of that next Sunday. <clears throat> Just uh, this morning, as our ushers come forward, I'd like to call our ushers forward. If you are our guest this morning, we'd like to invite you to stop by our Welcome Center. We have a small gift for you. And uh, as, as the ushers come forward this morning, if you are a guest here today, we'd like to invite you to let this offering plate pass you by. Uh, for this is for those that are regular and growing in the grace of giving. And uh, the church is not about money. The church is about God and how that uh, he is pursuing a relationship with you. So if, uh, if you're regular, uh, we encourage you to let, you, let this pass you by. Let's, uh, I know, if you're a regular, please give. If you're a guest, please let it pass you by. I'll pass it twice if you do that, right? No, just kidding. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you are. Thank you for the way that you're moving mightily, God. I thank you for the way you've blessed our people, God. You've given to them. You've provided for them, given them the resources that they need to live, that we need to live. And so, God, as we come to you now, we give of those resources that you've given to us. And I ask you to, uh, to just bless this offering for your namesake, God. Thank you for, for our church family. Thank you how you're growing us deep and wide at the same time. Uh, God, I know that you're going to transform our life in some powerful ways as, as you have already started this summer. So I ask, Lord, that as we continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will grow us deeper as you're growing us wider, bringing more and more people to Christ. God, thank you for all that you are. Thank you that we have this wonderful opportunity to give to you today. And Lord, as we give unto you, we ask that you'll be blessed by the worship of your people. In your name we pray. Amen. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. 
taste it and sing of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill me Yo!
Amen. You can be seated. Amen. We, uh, we're thankful that you're here this morning. What a great summer it's been. Amen. And uh, we, are, we are thrilled for uh, what's happened here in the church this summer. We've had our Joy Ride message series, and I've just watched so many people that God has taken and uh, transformed attitudes, transformed joy, and helped us through a lot of things in our lives. And then last Sunday, we had a, a great service here with Scott Phillips, our missionary to the, to the jungles of Indonesia. And I want to thank you for your generosity. Uh, we were able to give him about $3,000 from our love offering. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Let's give God a hand for that. That's just wonderful. And when we, when we see uh, the generosity of God's people, it just is so encouraging. That's a, a real growth and transform, transformation in what he's doing in our life. So this morning, I've asked Chuck Green to, to come and speak this morning. Would you welcome Chuck Green, one of our Bible teachers in the church? Thanks, Ken. We're actually going to be in Matthew chapter 118, uh, if you'd like to turn there today. But as you're turning, I'll, I'll, tell, you a little bit of, I'll tell you a little secret about myself. Uh, I love this one show on TV, it's called the, and it's, it's going to shock you, the Antique Roadshow. <laughs> anyway, I got, the, well, I got one thumbs up. It's not that I like antiques. I, it, 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 I'm not fascinated by antiques. I love the concept or, or the thought of having something incredibly valuable that I don't know about. <laughs> that, that, I don't know, that, that does something for me. And one time I was watching um, the Antique Roadshow, and this person brought in this helmet. It didn't look very impressive, but as soon as the appraiser saw it, he was, he was extremely excited. And he began to tell them, uh, you know, I believe this is a Spanish helmet. And it was handmade over a piece of metal, pounded. That's, that's how all the f figures got put in there. And, and based upon what I'm seeing on this helmet, I think it was linked, these, these soldiers, to this famous exploration of South America that was done in the 1500s, around 1550. As soon as I hear something that old, I'm thinking, cha-ching, <laughs> there's some money there. And the guy, as he explained it, uh, he asked the, the owner what he thought the value was. And the person said, uh, I don't know, five, ten thousand dollars And he kind of smiled a little bit. And he said, well, if, if you want to get rid of it this week, this week, if you want to get rid of it this week, I could get you a quarter million dollars. But if you want to hold out, hold out maybe a year for that right buyer, I can get you a half a million I'm pretty confident. I think I would have held out. <laughs> but the, the interesting question was, he goes, do you mind me asking where you got this incredible helmet? And the, the, the owner said, well, I, I bought a fixer-upper for like $70,000, and when I was fixing up the house, this was jammed in the rafters. So I pulled it out of the rafters, and I brought it here. And uh, what an amazing find. And I use that story as an illustration because I really don't think we as believers realize 
what we have in Christ, what he has really saved us from today. And that's what I want to talk to you about because I think, I, I know we believe it's valuable. We're almost like that, that owner who said, oh, it's worth five or $10,000, but really it's so priceless. It's beyond, I think, most believer, believers' understanding. And I, I want to help you to have a better appreciation today like that appraiser helped that person appreciate uh, that helmet. I want you to uh, really have a better appreciation and understanding of the value that we, that we receive through a gift uh, from Christ. And I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to focus on verse 21. I know summer is only ending, and this is a Christmas passage. <laughs> But we're going to focus mostly on the last verse here. But I'm going to start at the beginning. And I'm going to read off the screen. Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where we're going to focus our attention today on verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you uh, for this uh, beautiful day that you've given us. And I thank you for this body of believers who have come out to sing your praise, give offering, uh, bring service, and uh, who have come to to hear your word and, and be led by your spirit. And I just pray that you would guide my thoughts and my words Uh, to be pleasing to you and that they would uh, give the body today what they need whether it's hope or joy or peace or love or strength or wisdom or provision whatever it might be i just pray that that would be poured out on this body today and i pray these things in jesus name amen it's very interesting you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins what does that mean Save his people from their sins. I think if you ask most people that question, their response would be, oh, I'm saved from my sins because I accepted Jesus as Lord. And when I die, I will go to be with him. And that's correct. I'm not saying that's wrong. That is correct. And that's the, we have that great and precious prom, promise. Too many P's there. But it's more than that. It's more than that. For, for he saves us not, it, not for some future time. He is saving us now. And how does he do that? If we go to the next slide, Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 6 and 7. He saves us from the power of sin. I love this verse. Listen to what he says. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, 
For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So one of the ways Jesus saves us from our sin is he frees us from the power of sin. Those who have not called upon the name of Christ, they, they are pictured as being slaves to their sin. If you can imagine someone chained, hand and feet, chained, down, can't move, controlled, and, and under the captivity of their sin, that's where an unbeliever is. But the Apostle Paul says, right now, not sometime in the future, right now, Christ frees us from the power of sin. Now, I know that um, people, when they accept Christ, they still may continue to feel the chains of maybe an addiction or an old habit or, 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 or a sinful pattern of life. But I'm here to tell you today, based upon Romans and God's Word and what the Apostle Paul says, that, that you have been freed from that. Even if you don't feel that, you have been freed. And I'm going to tell you an illustration that, that I think really illustrates this point. One of my favorite animals, and I think I get this from my father, uh, is an elephant. I love elephants. When we go to the Pittsburgh Zoo, uh, none of my kids wanted to go into the elephant pen because we know how bad the elephant pen smells if you've ever been to the Pittsburgh Zoo. But I love elephants. I, I, I'll go in there and I'll spend 20, 30 minutes. I'll just watch the elephants. And I read on elephants. And what's interesting is, I don't know if you've ever seen elephants in captivity working. Full-grown, male Adult elephants, they're moving six, 4,000, 5,000-pound trees. They're, 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 they're picking them up with their trunk, and they're, they're just carrying them. And basically, an elephant goes wherever an elephant wants to go. They're powerful. They, they want to go over there, they go over there. Now, you know, if there's a tree in their way, they just mow the tree over. They're just strong, powerful animals, and I, lo- I love them. But they, they are deceived. The ones in captivity, they are deceived into their captivity. And what I mean by this is when a baby elephant is born in captivity, what they do is they put that anklet around its leg and they put that chain on it and they drive that stake many feet down. And it's a little tiny elephant. And guess what happens? It, It tries to pull away. It tries to pull away. It's, it's held captive there. It tries and tries, but the chain and anklet and stake are too strong for it. So what happens is it learns something. It learns that it's a captive. It's learned. So do you know what happens when it gets older? Even though it's out in the day moving thousands of pounds of of trees and whatever they decide to have it carry if it walks into a tree the full-grown elephant will knock it over but at the end of the day that full-grown elephant they put that anklet on it and that little chain and that little peg and they stake it down and when it feels that tension it believes it's what held captive do you know what holds it captive there? 
the illusion and memory of when it was younger. And if something happens, like if the elephant becomes scared by a fire or an animal and it pulls it up and it realizes, I'm not captive anymore. That, that, that little stake that I thought was holding me, it comes up really easy. I just move my legs and off I go running. As soon as it learns that, it can't be held in captivity anymore. It, it, it is, and used as a, as a worker elephant it, 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 is, it, is, it is freed from its anklet. It is freed from its chains. It is freed from the stake. And I think many people who are believers, when they accept Christ, they feel that, that anklet, metaphorically, symbolically. They feel that chain. They feel that stake in there. And because they were, when they were younger, because, when they were, because it was before they were a believer... They feel like they're still chained there. But I'm here to tell you today, based upon Scripture, Christ saves us from our sin. And one way He saves us is from the power of sin. And so when we accept Jesus Christ and He and His Holy Spirit indwells us and we prayfully, prayfully ask for His strength, He empowers us so that we maybe through the help of a celebrate recovery or through the help of a close group of friends, we can pull up that stake and go where God has called us to do. And then when we realize that, that I'm not chained here. Sin has no power over me. It may feel like a, it does, but as I, through the power of the Spirit, walk with Christ, those stakes to become pulled up. That's one way Jesus saves us from our sin. He saves us from the power of sin. The next way, if you could turn to Romans 8, 1, one of my favorite verses, how he saves us from our sin, he saves us from the condemnation of sin. In Romans 8, 1, it says, there is therefore now, right now, not sometime in the future, right now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. I can't tell you how many people have come to me who are believers. They've accepted Christ. They've accepted Him into their lives. They have made Him Lord of their lives. They are indwelt by the Holy Spirit but yet they hear this voice in their mind. Remember what you did? Remember that mistake you made? Remember, remember that history of compromise? Remember maybe you had an abortion? Maybe um, you have a sexual history that you're not proud of? Maybe um, you had an anger problem and you hurt people physically or with your words? Or maybe you were consumed by greed and that voice always comes back and says, oh, you can't be used of God. You, 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 you can't be part of... of uh, you can come to this church, but you, you, can, you, can't, you can't minister. What, you, you, that voice, it's a condemning voice. And the way Christ saves us, look what it says. When? Now. Now. 
Not sometime in the future. Now, there is no condemnation. For those, of, for those who have received Christ, for those who have trusted in Christ and have the indwelling spirit, repented of their sins and walked away from it, there is no condemnation. When I think of condemnation, I, I, when I do my study, things kind of pop in. I tell, I tell people this all the time. Things will pop into my head as far as like stories or things that I've read in the past that remind me of this principle of no condemnation. And when I think of this, I think of uh, there was a, a book called We Were Soldiers and Young. And they eventually made this book into a movie, We Were Soldiers. And it starred Mel Gibson. And in that book and in that movie, it tells the story of Colonel Moore, who was a real-life colonel, and he was one of the first combat troops in, in, in country in Vietnam. And on one of their first missions, they took their troops into, into the jungle, dropped them off, and unbeknownst to them, they dropped him right on top of a hiding under the ground 4,000-man North Vietnamese army. And it was just it was a small band of a couple hundred men, greatly outnumbered, greatly gunned, taken by surprise, a lot of casualties, fierce battle, fierce battle. And like I said, it's, it's in a book, a bestseller book. It's, it, it was, they made a movie about it. And jo- Joe Galloway was the reporter who was there. And Joe Galloway, who was there, and uh, Colonel Moore wrote this, wrote this story about what happened. And what's interesting about that story was there was an event. It was the, the pinnacle, one of the pinnacles of the battle where Colonel Moore r- realized that they were going to be overrun, that, that they could not hold back the enemy no longer. And uh, he looked all around him at all fronts, and he could see the enemy was about ready to overwhelm them. And basically, they, all the American soldiers were going to be killed. It was going to be a massacre. So Colonel Moore issued this order. He told the radio operator who happened to be, his name was Lieutenant Charlie Hastings. He said, issue, an, issue a, a, an, a cry or for help. And the code name for this cry for help was Broken Arrow. So he, he gets on his radio and he just starts saying, Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow. And that is a call to all aircraft in country, the Navy, everyone. An American unit is about to be overrun and killed. Bring all your planes. Bring all your machine guns from the air. Bring all your bombs. Bring all your napalm. Bring everything because we need it right now. And it's a very dramatic scene in the movie because Lieutenant Hastings, he basically runs up to Colonel Moore and he, he's telling him how many, he says, I, I have all these planes inbound. I have them stacked up on top of each other, 8,000 feet, 10,000 feet, 12,000 feet, 14,000 feet. They were all, all these planes were coming to provide like a shield around the American forces. 
and coordinating all of this attack, where to drop the bombs, where to shoot the machine gun, where to put the napalm, to put like a human, uh, to put a shield around the American troops. This was the job of Lieutenant Hastings. And as this was going on, he was doing, he was doing his job. He was. They were dropping bombs and machine gunning, and he, they were keeping the Americans safe, the American soldiers safe. They were keeping that giant army at bay. But something happened, very tragic. There was two, two fighter planes bringing um, napalm bombs in. Charlie had kind of lost. Lieutenant Hastings kind of had lost where they were. And he desperately saw, he saw where they were coming and they were coming and going to drop bombs right where some American soldiers were. And he desperately got on the radio, and it, it's very emotional. He's, he's, abort, 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 abort. And the one plane aborts, but the second plane drops its ordnance. And right in front of Colonel Moore, and right in front of Charlie, Lieutenant Hastings, they see their but three to f- three to four of their own troops, their own men, napalmed. Not a very nice way to go. And it was that experience. Charlie was in the fight. He was, he was, he was in a battle and he made a mistake. He made a mistake. He lost track of two of the planes. Four men died a pretty agonizing death. And he became paralyzed. Paralyzed. And then Colonel Moore comes over to him. And you know what the, you know what the world's expected response is? What happens in the world when someone makes a mistake? You idiot. You moron. How could you do that? But Colonel Moore says something very interesting, and I think this really points out the no condemnation. He says, he doesn't call him Lieutenant Hastings. He says, this is what he says. He said, Charlie, he, he almost had to get his attention because he was so paralyzed by what happened. And he said, Charlie... I want you to forget about that one. We're in, a, we're in a fight. And I need you. I need you to forget about that one. Just forget about that one. And that's, that's what this verse means. When we have received Christ, received the Holy Spirit, Jesus paid it all on our behalf. We have things in our past. And God the Father says, when we're walking in the Spirit, He says, I need, we're in a fight. That's why the Apostle Paul says, put on the what? Full armor of God. At His death, He said, I fought the good fight. He said, I want you to forget about that one. I want you to forget about that one. Because the past is the past. So Jesus not only saves us 
from the power of sin. He saves us from the condemnation of sin. We don't have a father up in heaven who's saying, you want, remember what you did? Remember that mistake you made? We have a father, once we receive Christ, who says, I need you to forget about that one. And finally, how does Jesus save us from our sin? 1 John 4.10, one of my favorite verses. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He saves us from the penalty of sin. I think we all, we all, most believers understand that Jesus paid the price for sin. That our sins were placed on Christ. God's wrath was poured out on Christ. And the payment of sin was made. But I love this word, this English word, English word propitiation because it gives a sense you might have a translation that says sacrifice and Jesus was our sacrifice but it gives a more sense of the original text the original language that not only was he our payment but it was a satisfactory payment and what I mean by that I'll give you an illustration um, I had a um, home improvement done one time and while the box store was out doing the work on my house, they damaged my house. Which I was like, no problem. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll make it right. I called them up, the claims department. They said, get an estimate, Mr. Green. I get an estimate. I send them the estimate. I don't hear anything for a couple of days. I call them back. Oh, we're not paying that. That wasn't our fault. I was... So there was a transgression, right? I was seeking a payment and I was trying to get my payment. So we fought for a few weeks, back and forth, a lot of phone calls. And finally I got the legal department to make me a settlement offer of $500. So there was a payment. There was a transgression. There was a payment. Was I satisfied with that $500? No. Because how much damage was done to my house? A thousand. Even though I settled the payment, I wasn't propitiated. I, I have a good feeling at the end of that settlement process. I, I wasn't satisfied. But, now let's take another example. Let's just say I was in the parking lot and as I was pulling out, I hit your bumper. I scratched your bumper. There's a what? Transgression. Now you would expect there's, there's gonna, someone's going to make a payment, right? And I said, you know what? I am so sorry. I, I, I ran into your bumper. I just happen to have this case of money. It's $100,000. Here, I'm giving it to you for this scratch bumper. Would you feel satisfied with that settlement? Yeah, everyone here is like, well, please scratch my bumper. You know, because, but you see, both, there's, there's two types of events there. Both had, a both had a transgression or wrong. Someone sought settlement, and then there was a settlement. But in one case, the settlement, 
I wasn't satisfied. But in another case, in your case, when you got your $100,000 for your scratch and you got your new car and your trip to Hawaii, you were, there, would be, there would be no anger towards me next week. If, if you saw me next week, would you be angry towards me? Would you be mad at me? No, you'd want me to run into your bumper again. Because, because the settlement was good enough. The settlement, the payment was, was more than enough. And this is what, this is, this is the amazing thing. What John is saying here is, Jesus, when he paid it, God saw the sacrifice and he was satisfied. I, I'm satisfied. And I can't tell you how many believers and how many times I've heard this. They've received Christ. They've accepted Christ. They have the Holy Spirit. They are trying to, to practice the presence of the Lord. They're a disciple of Christ. They're following Him and something happens and they're like, God is punishing me for this because I did this when I was a teenager or I did this in my first marriage or, or, or I heard this person. And what we see from John is John saying, no. Jesus was the satisfactory payment for our sins. God the Father is not looking for another pound of flesh. He is not looking to reopen the settlement because as far as God the Father was concerned, Jesus paid it all. And he, he's, he's not looking for another $100,000 on the scratch of the bumper. It's all settled up. And that's how he saves us from our sin. Now, he saves us from the power of sin in our lives. He saves us right now from the condemnation of our sin. And right now, he saves us from the penalty of our sins. So that we, we, we can always know that no matter what happens in our life, sin was punished once, once for the believer on the cross. And there is no more pound of flesh being sought. So don't, don't think that. Don't believe that. If you hear those voices in your mind, go back to these verses. Jesus was our propitiation. I know that's a hard word. But it's a great word in the, fa in the fact that he satisfied it all. There's no condemnation. There's, if you're hearing a voice condemning you, it is not from the Father. If you have repented of your sins and you have accepted Christ, we have this great and precious salvation that is priceless. It's better than a $500,000 Spanish helmet found in rafters after you bought a $70,000 house. But what's interesting is the word. I love the name Jesus because that word Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. And that term Yahweh, that was the most intimate name that they had for God. Many, many Jews would not, not even speak that. 
the word Yahweh. For example, if Abraham Lincoln somehow rose from the dead and walked here, we would, we would probably, if we saw him in the lobby, we would probably call him Mr. President, at least Mr. Lincoln. We wouldn't go up and say, hey, hey, Abe, how you doing? We wouldn't do that out of what? Respect. But that word, Yahweh is salvation, that is the most intimate name for God. And that's the name when, when the angel of the Lord said, you name him Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. And that, that takes me to the verse. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And that word Yahweh, that's the word we convert or translate when we're translating to Lord. The Lord is salvation. He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what we see in Romans. Now, this message today was for believers. Those who have heard the word, accepted Christ as Lord. All this great stuff, deliverance from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, deliverance from condemnation, that's for those who have accepted Christ. If you have not done that, if there's a time you have not done that, you can receive that gift. Trust me, you, you don't want to get to the end of your life, pass, stand before the Lord and pay for your own sin. That that wrath be poured out on you. I beg of you, beg of you, receive the gift that Christ has given you. In a few minutes, a few moments, we're going to bow our heads. And if you have never done that, I'm going to invite you in a prayer to do that. Let's bow our heads right now. Scripture says we're to examine ourselves. I, I can't examine your heart. I can't, I can't see into your heart. Each, each individual person has to examine their own heart. And what I want you to do today is ask yourself a question. Has there been a time you've accepted Christ as Lord, believed in His resurrection, called out to God the Father, if, if you say, Chuck, there, there, there's never been a time that I can recall doing that, but I want to do that. Here's how you do that. You pray this prayer from your heart to, to God the Father. You pray, dear, dear God, this day I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe in His work. I thank you for His work. I believe in His resurrection. I ask that Your Holy Spirit come and indwell me and use me. Scripture says if you, if you call it on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. But most people here today are believers. And I'm asking, if, if, if you are a believer... Just really examine your heart. How are you doing? Are, are, you, are you living in condemnation? Or do you think the Father is somehow looking for, for, for more punishment for, for, for your sin? That He wants another pound of flesh? If you're in that situation today, 
I just pray that you would talk to him and just ask him to help you be freed from that condemnation, to have faith in these verses, to know that Jesus paid it all. He's not looking for any more sacrifice or punishment for sin from a believer. Ask for his peace and ask for his strength to do that which he's calling you to do. Maybe he's put something on your heart to do something in the church, but that condemning spirit has just been restraining you. I just pray that you would pray that that would be lifted off you and that you would trust in these verses. These aren't, this isn't a Chuck Green message. This is, this is a message from his word. Dear God, as uh, people are praying, I just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would just uh, speak to hearts and, and give whatever is needed, whether it's hope, uh, joy, peace, strength, wisdom, encouragement, love, faith, whatever it might be. I just pray that you would touch each person here um, with that need and just meet that need in their hearts. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for our closing song.